Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Mr. Parker McCumber, commentator, Young Voices. He is an entrepreneur and commission officer in the Utah National Guard, but he's not speaking in that context. He's speaking as an individual. We're going to chop it up about diversity in the US military, the Republicans' stance to eliminate diversity and inclusion programs inside of the military ranks. Mr. McCumber, good day, welcome to Indisputable. Thanks for having me, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity. Same here, I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this particular topic. So if you would give us your ideas and I would then opine. Absolutely, so we're talking in frame of the SCOTUS ruling against affirmative action and then the Clarence Thomas footnote that specified that military academies were exempt from this policy. First and foremost, my personal belief is that while well-intentioned, affirmative action kind of created some systematic issues specifically around stigmatization, reverse discrimination and tokenism. Uh, that I feel are genuine problems. Uh, but I do believe that affirmative action is very well intended with the desire to benefit historically underprivileged or oppressed communities. Okay, so let me read a few highlights. And I understand the sentiment of your point. We're talking about execution versus policy strength, that the policy may have been derived out of a good faith basis to right a wrong, but implementation could be a little off. Am I correct in that summary of your basic approach here? Uh, yes, I believe that's a pretty good summarization of it. Okay, are you proposing that the US military should eliminate all diversity and inclusion programming because of poor implementation standards in some locations? Uh, so I'm not going to oppose it for that reason. Okay. I would more argue, Justice Sotomayor shared a quote in her opinion that she was highlighting because of this footnote or special exception for military academies. That it kind of undermines the argument that the 14th Amendment doesn't categorically prohibit the use of race as a factor in college admissions. And I think that the a majority of the Supreme Court kind of created this conundrum for themselves by making an exception for military academies specifically. I believe personally, in my experience with the National Guard especially, one of the things that I very much value as a leader in that organization is the diversity piece. We have people from all different walks of life and different backgrounds and different education. And that brings in unique perspectives to yeah. our organization that allows us to solve problems and move forward. So I definitely recognize that there is a strength in diversity. Mm-hmm. I also recognize that there may be an issue with people facing, like I said earlier, tokenism or reverse discrimination. Primarily, you get individuals who question whether or not they're there on their own merit or were they good enough to be there without affirmative action. And I know- Well, let me, allow me to correct you on the record. Sure. I think there's a significant ignorance that permeates outside of the terminology known as affirmative action. Number one, affirmative action is not a policy. 
Affirmative action is a catch-all phrase to describe a plethora of policies that are aimed at diversity and inclusion. Am I correct on that point? You absolutely are. All right, second point, affirmative action itself has been basically branded as a negative. But when you replace the word affirmative action with another word like inclusion, the vast majority of Americans are for it. And thirdly, the misnomer that affirmative action allows your race to um, override a policy protocol in order to get accepted into a program is a lie. I've been a college professor since 2016. I'm the director of institutional advancement at a major college right now. And I continue to lecture all across the United States of America. Colleges do not, cannot, and will not negate their qualification standards because you happen to be a person of color. You have to already meet the qualification in order to go to the next level of entry. So everyone who is at the college is there because they qualified. And I 100% agree with that. I think that's a very important piece of middle ground that we establish. So I recognize that military academies especially have a very rigorous application standard. I mean, most of these applicants for perspective, between nine and 11% of applicants on average make it into a military academy. So it's very exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the majority of these applicants are obtaining letters of recommendation from congressmen and senators and uh, you know, very noteworthy people of prominence. These people are all working hard to be there, indiscriminate of race. And I think that that is a very important you know, middle ground that, that we establish. I recognize that Within this, standards are not being compromised. All of those people are qualified to be there. And That's I think correct. that is something that people miss often when they have a conversation about right, affirmative but, action. But Parker, you kind of offered it as a reason to dissuade from the policy. I had to say on record that the policy does not create a special circumstance to override a standard for entry. You submitted that in this conversation, but you knew the truth, but still submitted that in this conversation as you as if you did not. So I think there might have been a misunderstanding there. Okay. I don't think the standard is being compromised for these individuals. I do think that it becomes a problem when you have people who are competing for a slot that race then becomes the tiebreaker, if it becomes a tiebreaker. Okay, let me do this because I wanna talk also in the context of what people in the US military are saying so 42% of service members of color in a new survey, and this is in military.com for those who wanna check it out. They say that they have actually turned down assignments because of racism noted in the ranks. They were concerned about racism and discrimination, so they decided to say no to particular assignments. Also, the survey organized by Blue Star Families found that more than 40% of active duty, active duty personnel factored racial discrimination or safety related to racial discrimination when listing their basing preferences. 33% of active duty families and 34% of veterans in the survey also report concerns about racial and ethnic discrimination with factors in conversations with family members about whether to stay in the military or leave the military. Now, I have never served and I make absolutely no, no representations that I understand all of military doctrine and dogma. But I will say this, out of my studies, out of my research, there are six absolute benefits, six absolute benefits to diversity and inclusion. And if you disagree with one of them, tell me. 
because you are a man who serves. One, enhanced unit cohesion. Two, increased adaptability. Three, improved decision making, knowing that cultural, the cultural awareness is required for good decisions. Four, enhanced recruitment and retention. Five, strategic, um, strategic strengthening of cultural competence. Six, mitigated bias so that you don't have the level of fallout when there is an incident. Do you disagree with anything that I've noted? No, I don't. I actually think all of those are strengths that I especially see in my involvement with the National Guard right now. Okay. Where I do think there might be a point that we could you know, discuss on. So race is the specific factor then, that tiebreaker, like I said. Justice Roberts had shared in his opinion that schools can and should consider how race influenced the adversity in their lives and how they overcame that. And that should be factored into the application process. And I think that that's a very good point that while we're removing race by removing affirmative action, we're removing race as a decision point itself. We're not removing its ability to be factored based on obstacles being overcome. Right, now I get your point, but when you really look at what Justice Roberts said, it's a distinction without a difference. And let me tell you why. The reason that the protocol was implemented in institutions in the first place was because we had an innate understanding that your race, if you were from a particular racial group, you had certain experiences adverse to you. So we're going to take into account, we're going to take into consideration your ability to overcome that level of barrier against you and count it as a leadership qualification and bring you into this institution that you already otherwise qualify for. So do you understand why I would say it is a, a difference or a distinction without a difference? Uh, so I, I think I'm understanding the point that you're, you're making here. Hmm? Uh, my follow up to that is kind of under the assumption that I don't believe inherently that any of these admissions organizations or policies that universities hold are inherently racist. I don't think that they're trying to discriminate based on race to begin with. And so while I recognize affirmative action is created in a good faith desire to help these, these underprivileged and underrepresented communities out, I feel like a lot of that has kind of been lost over the last few years. I feel like as society has advanced and technology has advanced, and everyone has a higher level of capability just through your smartphones or you know common access to the internet now. People are able to learn and then subsequently overcome very quickly. So I feel yeah. like a lot of that inherent creation of affirmative action has kind of started to be lost due to Technology's advancement. I got to say this, Parker. I wish what you said was true. I authentically do. But right now in black communities, there's a 28% digital divide between black communities and damn near every other community that is white. So when you start with that level, almost 30% of a technology or digital divide, you have decreasing access to public libraries. You have increasing and emerging technologies that we are not 
resourced to receive because the school systems are not bringing in the dollars through the property taxes because the tax evaluation of black communities are so low. It is a cause and effect relationship that creates a cycle of what? Lack. And if you can find your way to overcome that and make it, an institution says, you obviously have a leadership about you and a strength about you that is worthy of top consideration. I don't find there to be anything wrong with that. But I will say this, the fact, and I think you authentically mean what you just said. The fact that you are unaware of that large digital divide that permeates in black communities as it relates to comparison to white communities is where we should start the conversation next time, all right? Absolutely. All right. Thank you for being on the show, brother. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.